we looked at some vocab. We looked at what the word Eucharist means, and it literally means to give thanks. And liturgy, does anybody know what liturgy means? You'll hear about that in the Catholic and Orthodox tradition. Liturgy, ring a bell, anybody? Liturgy. It actually means to do service. All right, and the, uh, in the Catholic tradition, which is some of my background, uh, when the priest leads in the Eucharist, they're doing service to God. It's like they're serving God. Um, by way of review on the big picture of Christianity, early Christianity, uh, Jesus, uh, his ministry began around AD 30, and he died AD 33. And then I believe the book of Revelation was probably written around 85-ish. There are some scholars that are going to push it later than I will, but, but I think that's kind of the, the range. And so now I highlight those two, two uh, boxes for this reason. We're going to limit our understanding of the Lord's Supper to that period of time. Because if we start getting into the second and third and you know, fourth, fifth centuries down the line, things get real complicated. And they become so, uh, so in many ways, um, distorted from the original that, that I'm afraid we're going to miss out on something. So we're going to really limit it to the boundaries of the New Testament. All right. There's that timeline that's really interesting. Um, uh, if you're new and you're hearing this for the first time, the Catholic Church actually split off of the Greek Orthodox Church. A lot of folks are not aware of that. And that took place in 1054. So the church that can lay claim to the most original status is going to be your Greek Orthodox. And uh, they, they split because of power issues between the bishops, Rome versus Constantinople, unleavened bread. The Catholics said the Eucharist has got to be unleavened bread, unquestioned. Now, the Orthodox Church said, no, 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 it's leavened bread. It's a celebration. It's, it's something wonderful. And they also split on some things about the Nicene Creed and then uh, whether or not priests should marry. So in the Catholic Church, they were very strict. No priests marry, but in the uh, Orthodox Church, uh, they could. All right. I talked about seven ecumenical councils. The, the big council I want to refer to is the medieval council called the Lateran Council, number four. Look at, look at the point at the bottom. Defined and authorized the doctrine of transubstantiation. Pop quiz, what does that word mean? Transubstantiation, really unusual word. Anybody? What's that, what's that again? Yes, the bread and the wine literally transubstantiate. The form is different, and it becomes the flesh and the blood of Jesus, right? So, uh, by the way, um, uh, Carrie and cool brother, glad you're here. I was talking to Randy Sharp, okay? And Randy and I were chatting it up, and Randy uh, worked for years as a funeral home director, and worked a lot of times with Catholic priests, as well as you know, Protestant funerals. Randy was, had a big like three-hour trip with this Catholic priest, and Randy, they were chatting it up, and Randy said, look, I got a question. What's the deal with transubstantiation? Is it real? And the priest wisely said this. We absolutely believe it, but scientifically, nothing happens. The priest said that. Yeah. In other words, 
And by the way, I have taken the host. I've taken the Eucharist in the Catholic Church. And I've had that little disc dropped in my mouth. And guess what? It didn't change into flesh. You know, I know sushi, okay? I, 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 know, I know that stuff. Nothing happened, okay? And, and uh, so, all right. That's a, big, that's a big deal, by the way. Really big deal. We'll get to that. All right, so today. What I want to do today is focus in on the Last Supper and Passover. And look at that. It's going to be fascinating. I think you're going to see something today, perhaps, that you've never seen before. Maybe so. All right. Look closely at... Uh, hey, Ed, could you shut this bank of lights off for me? Um, thank you, sir. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> in your great kindness... Um, Yes, thank you, good, good man. Thank you, thank you. I've highlighted that top, the top sections of the three synoptic gospels. Look at this. Do you think that the Last Supper is anchored in Passover? What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely, Madison. I mean, it's, it's kind of undeniable to go that this is some rogue meal in some off day, off night, or off week, or something. Now, this is really, really clearly anchored in to the first day of unleavened bread. And Jesus says, uh, where do you, the guys say, where do you want us to prepare the Passover? We want to eat the Passover with you. Can you see how Jewish this is? This isn't Baptist. This is Jewish. It is a thoroughly Jewish uh, event right now. All right. So look at this. This is Mark's tradition. Same thing. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed. Sounds like Passover, doesn't it? Okay, so this is deeply embedded in Passover. All right, look at this Luke's tradition. Same thing. Feast of unleavened bread, the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Okay, so let's look at the Passover. Fascinating. Number one. By the way, this has everything to do with the 10th plague against Egypt. Each home isolates an unblemished male lamb or goat. You may not be aware that you could also uh, use a goat. Some people think it's only a lamb, but that was acceptable as well. And it happened on the 10th day of Nisan. Nisan is the first month to the Jewish calendar. All right, fathers would kill the lamb making sure no bones were broken at their homes. It was done at home. Think about that. At twilight on the 14th day of Nisan. All right. So automatically, did you catch the cue? It says they're having the, the Last Supper the day when the, the lambs had to be sacrificed. So we're looking at Nisan 14. Makes sense. Okay. The fathers would smear blood using a bundle of hyssop, okay, on the two posts and the lintels on the door. The entire lamb had to be roasted and eaten with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And that's it. That's the original Passover. Those three things, right? That's it. Any uneaten portion must be burned by fire. Each family member must be dressed for travel and must eat the meal in haste. In fact, unleavened bread is the bread of haste. 
Okay. So can you imagine sitting down to a meal and you've got your luggage and, you, and ladies, you get a, a, your suitcase here and you've got your purse over your shoulder and you're eating a meal that way. That would be a modern equivalent to us. They're to be fully dressed, sandals on, staff in hand, ready to bust out the door the minute God says go. Okay. And that's why this whole meal is really a meal in haste. Um, Yahweh will then pass over the home. Yahweh is, is the Hebrew name for God. Um, just like Brandon's name is Brandon, his personal name, Yahweh, is the personal name for God. <clears throat> when Yahweh passes over the home, if he sees the blood on the posts and lintel, he will pass over the home. He will not bring judgment to that house. Any home that does not apply the blood on the posts and lintel of their front door they will experience the death of their firstborn child and the death of any firstborn livestock. So humans and livestock, the firstborn will die if there's blood is not on the door of the house. This feast is perpetual, celebrated along with Masot, which is literally a feast of unleavened bread, seven-day festival, and during Massot, the first and seventh days are holy convocation. And check this out. This is really fascinating. During, during this Passover meal, children are given an interpretation, an explanation of the meal and the meaning of the festival. Look at this. This is Exodus twelve twenty six. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you, daddy? What does this rite mean to you? Israel inherits wealth from their abusers. They leave during the Exodus with the spoils of Egypt, which is fascinating. You should read the story. Exodus 12. All right. Um, here we go. So what is the Last Supper? We're going to tie this thing together. Stay with me. What is the Last Supper? It's a meal Jesus shared with his disciples during Passover, during the season. That's what the meal is. All right. The Passover is a national holiday commemorating the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The word Last Supper is not found in your Bible. You may not be aware of that. It's not in the Bible. Now, it's in your, it's in your these headings. And if you can see this, it'll say the Last, Last Supper here. But it's not in the text. It's actually not in the text. All right? Um, the Last Supper provides Jesus with an opportunity to do a couple things. Number one, have a farewell well meal with his disciples, a goodbye meal, and then to give teachings to get him ready before his arrest. His words of institution are, this is my body. He takes the bread, he breaks it and says, this is my body. He takes the cup. And he offers his blood as a kind of covenant of forgiveness. This is my blood, blood of the covenant. And then the words and actions of Jesus at the Lord's Supper present a new interpretation of the Passover based on John 6. If you eat my flesh and you don't drink my blood, you don't have eternal life. By the way, that's where the Catholics and the, and the Orthodox Greek Orthodox are going to turn to to really anchor that idea that the bread and the wine become flesh and blood. All right, you with me? Boy, have I got a big question for you. 
Here it is. Look closely. We're going to go to work. I just took a snippet from Mark. Mark's gospel. Look closely. The words of institution. Take. This is my body. This cup. The new covenant in my blood, etc. In view of the Passover that we just worked through. What do you think that text should say? Or, and that sounds like we're trying to correct scripture. We're not. But what would you expect it to say? This is big, which you're about to hear. It's very important. Is this a Jewish event? Is it anchored in the Passover? What is the one ingredient? If you look at Exodus 12, what is a lot of ink spent on in, in for that one ingredient? The lamb. Now I ask you again. In view of the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread, what would you expect this text to say? Exactly. Pat, you caught it. We would expect the text to read as follow. While they were eating, he took some lamb. And after a blessing, he broke it. And he gave it to them, said, take it. This lamb is my body. It doesn't say that. Why? Why? Well, you may be on to something, Madison, you know, but... But what else? Why would he do that, Anna? He's, he's a lamb. What's that? Because he's the lamb. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, good. He is the lamb himself. Somebody else, I think. Uh, David or... Yeah, Anna? Because the bread is something that even the poor people can have. It's not... Interesting. <laughs> so it, it kind of levels the playing field? Kind of a bit, right? Yeah. Janice? Right. And he is compared to the word of God. So he, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and without the word nothing was made. So could the bread also be the word? Because um. you digest the text in the in the Bible and yeah. In a, in a metaphorical sense, you could say yes, but that would apply to other things as well, not just bread. Yeah, yeah. Like God speaks his words through creation, for example. Yeah. In the, in the text, he says, this is my body. Yeah. And so I, I read that as a transference where he's not making any kind of substantiation, but the idea of the representation of the bread that is replicatable, him transferring that meaning to his body seems to translate more than a lamb. And yeah. that access to the bread obviously is yeah. more so than a lamb. Yeah. But the fact that he says, take it, this is my body, and it's physically quite literally saying, compare these two, this bread is my body. And again, I'm not advocating for transliteration here, but right. the idea of breaking bread as opposed to slaughtering a lamb, I mean, even the text saying that the lamb, you see, the bone shouldn't be broken. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's using words like, we broke bread, 
Right, the metaphors and the parallels and the, yeah, 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 exactly. By the way, uh, during the crucifixion event, what do they do to make sure the victim dies? Why? Because it collapsed. He can't support himself. So what kills you when you're crucified? It's suffocation. Yeah, you can't get stand back up, relax the lungs, exhale, and take new new oxygen in. So by breaking the legs, it quickens the death by uh, suffocation. Yeah, Janice. Is the last Janice, you caught it. It's really good. So now let's, Janice, you're on to something. How, how strict of an, obs, uh, of an observance is Passover? Joe, how strict? You going to mess with the ingredients? Do you understand Passover is the one Jewish event that defines the entire nation? You don't mess with it. You don't change the ingredient list. You don't do any of that stuff. And yet, here we go. Why doesn't he say, this lamb is my body, which is slaughtered for you? You'd think he would. Yeah. He's Try. diverting from the Jewish customs of Gentiles. Dude, you nailed it. Jesus, here we go. What a rebel. He's being subversive. He really is being subversive. You need to appreciate that. He's being subversive when he does this. And boy, did he know how to upset the Pharisees. He was so good at it. That's why why he said it's a new covenant. It's a new covenant, right, which echoes Exodus 24, that the priest would actually sprinkle blood on Israel as a symbol of being cleansed. Janice? And he is the final sacrifice. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Keep going. Absolutely, yes. Thank you. So uh, if we were Jews, all right, and, and I'm the eldest male, I'm the dad, right, the patriarch, um, I would break the loaf of bread and start the distribution process. And you know what that means? Meal started, you know. Uh, if you were having dinner at, at our house, we typically begin with a, with a scripture of sorts, with a quoting it or reading it or something, and then we pray, and then once you hear amen, it means what? It's time to what? Time to eat. At the Jewish meal, when you would break the loaf of bread, it's time to eat. Dad broke the loaf. Okay. So this is very much leadership at this point. So Jesus breaks the loaf. He's starting something, something special. Now the cup patch, if you're doing strict Passover, there's four cups of wine taken and the the fourth is is the what ends the meal we're done passover's over we've had the fourth cup so there really is a lot a lot there that's good that you caught it so okay charlie nails it jesus is being subversive he is he's taken this thing to a whole new level he could have said should have said if it's in a jewish framework come on should have said this lamb is my my body. He doesn't. He says bread. 
Does it make it accessible to everybody, to the poor? Yes. The Gentile church. You think he's got the Gentile church in mind? Absolutely. What a brilliant thing that Jesus is is offering here. So somebody else uh, uh, need to develop what Janice said. Is he doing this on the Passover? This is going to be a hard one. Going to throw you a curveball. Is there lamb at the table? Right, right, right. So, look at the look at verse seventeen again. Look at Matthew's tradition. What day is it? If if the if the animals are slaughtered on Nisan fourteen, it's what you said ten or or. What's that? Uh, it starts at sundown. Um, by the way, when they slaughter the lambs, and it used to be done in the homes, but now became a, a priestly function, and the lambs had to be slaughtered on Nisan 14 between 2 and 5 p.m. at the temple. So can you see thousands of men, and this is a male thing, get this vision, thousands of men with a lamb in their arms, and they're all walking to the temple. Thousands of them, okay? Because remember, Israel, the borders of Israel, you, you travel to Jerusalem for this. Thousands of men holding a, a yearling uh, male goat or lamb that's, that's considered already pre-examined by the priest, by the way, as being unblemished. And they take it and they hand it to a priest. And there is a massive slaughtering of thousands of animals. Where do you want us to prepare the Passover? Hadn't happened yet. Okay. And, uh, Chris, yes, sir. In John, it refers to, I mean, the high priest asked that they break the legs of the people on the crosses because that's the day of preparation for Sabbath. And it's a particularly Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Absolutely. Very good. So, was so. Jesus actually crucified on the day that all the lambs were killed? Boy, you just ripped the lid off the can, Ed. Thank you very much. A lot of ink is spilled on your one question. Yeah. When does the actual crucifixion take place? Some say Thursday. Yeah. Nissan 13, not 14. Yeah. It's a real challenge between John's chronology and what Matthew, Mark, and Luke said. Okay. Now, what's unquestioned is that we know it happened, all right? But, but it is amazing that Jesus doesn't say, this lamb is my body, okay? It's possible, Janice, Ed, Charlie, that there's no lamb at the table. It says, on the first day of unleavened bread, this is it's related to Passover, but it's not the Passover meal. So some are, are arguing that this isn't even the Passover meal. This is like a pre-Passover meal. Does it make sense? All right. So as, well, as much as he was subverting that, was he also honoring the Passover by not inserting lamb into that? Or having this 
Yeah, and he commits in Matthew 5. Hey, I'm not here to break any rule. But, how, yeah, yes, yes, thank you, guys. That is so good. Anybody else on the significance of what Jesus does here? Anybody else? Question? Why has this been missed so much? What's it, dear? People have missed this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, quite frankly, they they don't they're not interested. Isn't isn't it fascinating that that what's extremely important to you you will throw your time at and you'll throw your money at. What's truly important you'll spend time and money and emotional energy and and, and white knuckle passion. You know, if your thing is to get a good bass boat and go fishing. By George, you'll somehow manage to get a bass boat and you'll do it. That's your true passion, right? We spend time and money and energy on what is most important to us. And for a lot of people, church is just a little thing you accessorize with and, and you're there for a few relationships and, and we're not serious about faith at all. Lisa. Okay, so this says now the first day of unleavened bread. How many days of unleavened bread? Seven. Seven. Which typically, you ready for some more con- for more confusion? Typically follows Passover. Okay, so what day would the first day of the unleavened bread be on? That would be Nisan 15. What's that? 14 would be when they sacrifice the lambs. That would be Good Friday. That would be. Uh, like, like Good Friday, Nissan 14. Okay, but does the first day of Unleavened Bread, does that coincide to Sunday with us? Or? No, that would be Saturday. Saturday? Yeah. Yes. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> I have to charge. <laughs> All right, now, Aiden is one of the best math students at his school. And he said that he was willing to sit on the front row to handle the question. Are you ready? What does transubstantiation mean? <laughs> Thank you. You did a great job. Anyway, what does it mean? Yeah, it means the bread and the wine actually become flesh and blood. Yeah, that's what that means. So. Why? Yes. We are not to. I understand why people do, but we are we are not to. In the scientific formula. Make this into this that we're doing Passover. Jesus, he Jesus. It's about him. I mean, John, when he introduced, he says, John the Baptist, in the beginning, before he's even accumulating disciples, says, "This is the Lamb of God." Yes. Yes, yes. That's so good, Andrew. Thank you. That's very mature insight, by the way. Uh, you ready? Let me throw you a curveball. Um, we, have, we have a lot of Church of Christ people here at Christ Church, which is wonderful. So, ready? Pop quiz. Is baptism required for salvation? No. No? Okay. What do you do with Acts 2.38? You can't ignore it. 
He who repents and is baptized receives the forgiveness of their sins. You know? Can't ignore it. You certainly can't, ooh, I like it, can't leave it out. But on the other hand, it's, you know, Acts 16, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, what? He just, no, no, Paul just said, believe. He says, one thing, just believe. So which one is it? <laughs> All the above, there's your good sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of it, Joe. Why would you not when Jesus himself did it? Exactly, exactly. But here's the point. Andrew is on to something. Isn't it good that there's mystery? It's good that we don't have this stuff all figured out. Because you know what we would do? We would copyright it, we'd can it, we'd sit on the lid and say it's ours. You know, no, it's good that there's a mystery. It pushes us to God and not to formula, which is horrible. So, Joe? That's exactly right. And, and Jesus takes this Passover event, which, as we established, is very structured and very rigid. And count the number of commands in this thing. When he remakes the meal, how many commands are there? Yeah. He doesn't say how long he's supposed to take. He doesn't say what day of the week he's supposed to take. No, he doesn't say what kind of bread you do or don't use, what kind of wine yep. you do or don't use. Yep. There's not a liturgical statement you have to make. No. This is what this is now. And it is designed and rolled out to be simple remembrance of the sacrifice. Yes. And the yes. salvation that we all share in Jesus. And it is designed to democratize the thing and not make it. The isolated property that you were It's for anybody and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you know, we as people with our desire for structure went ahead and uh, tacked all the rules back on it. That the, the ladder and council, you see, <laughs> notice what else was on the docket that day. Oh my goodness. We're talking about papal supremacy and then another crusade. <laughs> all these things are about establishing control for control over its people. Political and religious control. Which is the antithesis of what this was set up to. Yes. Universal meal for all who go to the table. Yeah. So, for me, uh, Cody. Uh, I'm going to kind of couple what you said about the baptism thing and yeah. things like that in scripture, same thing with, with communion. Yes. And it's, the, and it's like both and, like, oh, the whole, you get an argument, not argument, people disagree, yeah. oh, you're using leaven bread, not unleavened bread, and go back and forth. It's like, no, it all, it's yes. all about, it's yeah. all changed. Yeah. And how often you do it? You know, I came through from a Protestant church that you know maybe twice a year, and it's kind of a big, big ordeal, and that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. But I came here, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is so good. We make things complex, don't we? We sure do. Now, by the way, you, you, be aware that we're limiting things to just Matthew, Mark, and Luke right now. Okay, and we'll, we'll broaden it out and we'll pick up Paul here real soon. Okay, so two things that are absolutely critical to me. And um, Sloan, they've changed my understanding. And these two things I'm about to share, they've changed my understanding. One is going to be, why in the world didn't Jesus say this lamb is my body? That just makes so much sense. Okay. And the second thing is this. When you read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 
where Paul does the, the famous text that we share every Sunday at Christ Church. Who is Paul talking to? This is really, really important. 1 Corinthians 11. Paul is giving the instructions. This is how I want it done. Who does he talk to? Because, you know, if we're, if we're good Catholics, he's going to be talking to the priests, right? If we're good Orthodox, Greek, or Russian, he's going to be talking to the priests. If we're good Baptists or good Protestants, he's going to be talking to the pastors or the elders, which are pastors on steroids. Really amazing. Oh, elders. Watch out. They'll get you. Um, who's he talking to? The people. The church. The people. He's giving the instruction to the whole church. In that single maneuver by Paul, guess what he just did? He took power away from the pastors. He took power away from the priest. He took it away from from anybody that would monopolize it, politicize it, copyright it, do anything to control it. He doesn't do it. He gives it to the body. Oh, wait, this is for the body of Christ? Who thunk it? It's for the church. It's not for the exclusive control of a denomination or, or priest. That is called uh, Aiden. Cool word. You ready? Sacerdotalism. That means only the priest. Get to handle the Lord's Supper. Wow. Good stuff. Anybody else? Um, well, okay. I'm high school dropout. S A C E R D O T A L I S M Q W R. Making sure y'all are on, on your toes. You <laughs> yes, and I, and I use that in a sense. So, uh oh, uh, turn about. Ooh, dude, you demand. Why did he ask that? Christ Church, your little friend just asked you a question. I want you to answer this. Why did he say, I'm not going to do this again until I do it with you in the kingdom of God? Okay. Keep going. Yes, and what is that meal called? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Aiden, yes. Um, do you like Thanksgiving? What's the best part? What's the best food? Turkey. I love, I love the turkey. My mom made the best stuffing, New England stuffing. It's amazing. Yeah, I love the turkey too. Yeah. Anybody else favorite food for Thanksgiving? Anybody? Anybody here eat cranberry sauce? Yes. Ooh. Toast some bread, put some stuffing down, put some turkey on top of that, smear it with cranberry sauce, and make the best sandwich you're going to ever eat. So, all right, you know how you look forward to Thanksgiving? Okay, here's the answer. We're going to look forward one day when Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth. Okay? 
we're going to get to have a meal with him just like this one. Only it's a brand new one. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's when we get to be with him. And there's going to be an, an amazing party. Oh my goodness, it's going to be great. Somebody else, before we wrap it up. Anybody else? Chris? Yes, sir. I was just thinking, you were talking about the mystery of the Bible. It also encourages community. It encourages other Christians to speak about it. Yeah. To talk about it. To get deeper into it. Because he doesn't want us to be alone. He wants us to be together. To communicate with each other. Yes, yes. Thank you. Let me, I want to get down to here. Um, I want you to see this again. Bear with my clicking. Um, in the Passover, it's built into the system. The children are to, to be given an interpretation. Okay. And this is right out of Exodus 12. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? Can we appreciate that for a second? You ready? Men, this, man, that's, this is for me and you, okay? Chelsea, Chelsea and Brandon are going to have a precious little baby girl, Josie, going to be here real soon. When Josie's older, she is going to have the ability to say, Dad, what does faith mean to you? And your answer will have a tremendous impact on her life, Okay? Sometimes, um, let me back it up. I've been on staff in some of the largest churches in Arkansas, thousands, okay? Done the big thing. And in those mega churches, you know, there's a tendency that the staff replace, in many ways, the work of fathers. They do the work. All the pastoral staff does the work. And your job as the congregation is to support them. Attend the events that they plan, do what they say, etc., etc. Do you realize that this kind of breaks that all apart? Carson is going to look at Patch and say, Dad, I want to know what faith means to you, not what it means to Chris Perry. Not what it means to, to some famous person, you know, Chris Tomlin. What does faith mean to Chris Tomlin? Carson wants to know what does faith mean to his dad. Because that relationship between father and son or daughter and, and dad is so sacred that, that that child, you know what? If that's important enough for my dad, then maybe it should be important to me. Okay. Our children deserve an answer. And our children deserve to hear from their dads about what real faith is all about. And that's not a question you pitch to the staff or you throw at some elder group. This is a question that literally is answered by a father. In fact, a father leads out in the Passover. Make sense? Great time to say, dads, you spiritual heads of your home, spiritual leader, okay? If your children says, hey, what does this mean to you, dad? What would you say? What does the Lord's Supper mean to you? All right. I want to pray. We're going to sing some amazing songs and worship. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this church and the way they breathe life into me and encourage me. Thank you for Passover. Thank you for the Last Supper. And the bread and the wine and what that means.
Thank you for Aiden. His heart, his mind, gifted, his thinking. Thank you for him. Thank you for each person, what they said. Charlie, you nailed it. Thank you. Would you bless all of us now to sing and honor you with our words. In Jesus' name, amen.